0: This is Ozamatar, and I'm your host for Season 3 of the International Voices at Queen's Podcast. This episode is recorded on the traditional lens of Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples, and it features guests with international experiences. <music> this episode, we will be talking about burnout, which is something quite a few international students may experience due to, say, feelings of non-belonging in a new space, in a new country, or due to very heavy workload. And my special guest today is
1: Isabella Ong. Isabella, welcome. Thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Isabella Ong, and I am a third-year PhD student in political studies at Queen's University. And I am originally from Myanmar, but I have also lived in the United States, the United Kingdom, and now I am settling down in Canada. Well-being is the central
0: theme of our episodes this semester. And in our initial emails, you mentioned that you'd like to talk about belonging and burnout together. I am wondering what each of these terms mean to you. We can start with belonging, if you like.
1: Belonging to me means that you feel comfortable to be in the society that you are part of, that you mostly spend your daily work life and personal life in. I believe in order to fully belong, you should feel fully accepted as who you are in your environment.
0: I see. Thank you very much. So you were born in Myanmar, and you mentioned earlier that you studied in the U.S. and now you're based in Kingston, Canada. How do you belong to each of these places?
1: Well, um, that is a tough question because I only spent. Um, well, I was born and raised in Myanmar, but I only spent part of my childhood there. So when I was growing up, that is my homeland. So you know, there was no question of belonging and Myanmar even though it is diverse ethnically racially it is very homogenous so there was not the concept of racial diversity and um you know you just see people who look like you who speak the same language all the time especially because I grew up in Rangoon which is the urban center of Myanmar so I didn't really have to think about belonging when I was young growing up there I just belonged there that's funny and- isn't it
0: when you feel at home that you
1: belong you don't talk about these things Yes, you don't talk about these things, you know, because that is your home, your family's there, your friends are there, so you didn't even have to think about belonging. And then I moved to the States as a child, and when I was a teenager, I just wanted to, you know, move away from home and experience new things. So I moved to the West Coast, to Oregon, to do my university there. But I'm there, that was my first feeling of not belonging somewhere. I spent four years in Oregon, completing my bachelor's degree, and I was always the only brown person in class most of the time and one would think you see a lot of diversity in university classrooms and but that was about 10 years ago back then then you look around and people stare at you because you look different and people would expect you to not speak english and people will ask you really weird questions the first time when i felt like oh maybe oregon is not the place i belong was a classmate from rural oregon he came up to me and and he asked me if I am from a village. And he asked me if I had electricity back home. And I was so confused. I came from the capital city with about 6 million people. That's where I grew up. And someone from a very small town of oh, 3,000 people in Oregon has the guts to ask me these questions. So I felt like, well, you know, maybe I do not belong in societies that are not as diverse, that are not as tolerant. So that was my first case of not belonging. Long. Game.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, there's that language thing, you know, people ask where do you come from, and etc. I, I get to hear similar questions, those things, you know, those comments make you realize that you're not from that place, and you won't be accepted from that place,
1: right? Yes, the UK, I actually found was very pleasant for me. Maybe it's because, you know, I went as an exchange student from an American university to an English university. So they actually didn't view me as an international student per se they're more like oh you're from the states like they just want to know about my life in america they just want to know about my life in oregon so i didn't get invasive questions like i will get in canada and the united states because they see me as being from the united states it was pretty pleasant i made a few good friends who i'm still in touch with today so i really enjoyed my time in the uk i've gone back to visit france for twice now and you know speaking of brownness after well basically after after growing up in the West and choosing to stay in the West, in North America, you know, after I moved to Canada for my master's degree and I'm settling down here, I got married, you know, I'm doing my PhD. So Canada is now my home. And then a new question about brownness comes up. Because I grew up bilingual, English and Burmese are both my first languages. Like you said, other people, when they look at me, I'm obviously brown. So people ask me, Where are you from? Why is your English so good? You know, why do you have a British accent instead of having, you know, a thick accent? Like they will have all the different questions for me. But then I also get questions from other international students from Southeast Asia. They are like, Oh, when did you move here? Do you have brown friends? Do you go back to your home country? You know, they also also question people who look like me also start to question if I am brown enough to be friends with them if I am brown enough so that they can invite me to their events you know they will also want to gauge if I'm already very Americanized Canadianized or if I am still able to keep our traditions and culture so that we can be friends and I can still be part of the wow. community so there's a lot of navigating and you know I have to answer questions from both uh, my South Asian friends and my white Canadian friends so are you saying that in their mind the looks
0: and the language and the person they meet don't quite match and then that puzzles people
1: yeah sometimes that puzzles people not a lot of the time but i occasionally you know a couple times a month i will have to answer these questions so it's not bombarded at me every day but once in a while you have to answer these questions oh here we go again that's so interesting
2: We believe that Queens can be a place where everyone belongs. The Queens Shift Project is a collection of events and initiatives aimed at building allyship and working towards a safer and more inclusive campus culture. We work to break down barriers and create opportunities for genuine human connection. Looking to get more involved on campus? Visit the Allyship and Belonging Student Calendar. It's your go-to for all equity and allyship-focused events across campus. Want to know more about your peers' experiences at Queens? Listen to the Shift Podcast, a platform for equity-deserving students to share their lived experiences and visions for a more inclusive campus culture. We're looking for students who want to make a difference. If you want to share your perspectives and get involved in what the SHIFT Project is doing, follow us on Instagram at Project or email us at Project at queensu.ca to learn more about who we are and what we do. We all have a role to play. Be part of the SHIFT.
0: I'd like to turn to the other concept we mentioned that we might touch on, which is burnout.
1: How do you link it to belonging? Well, I will start with defining burnout. I think it is pretty easy to understand. A lot of us, especially when you're an international student, you know, there's a lot of things you are juggling with. It's not like all you have to do is study and then pass the exams. You have to do your own research. You have to pass the comprehensive exams. You have to also teach because you are a TA from your funding package and you have to also RA on top of the you're expected to present at conferences you are expected to you know participate in extracurricular activities you're expected to publication so you know there's just a lot going on at only 24 hours in the day so burnout uh, i would define burnout as just you know being stretched too thin that you can no longer enjoy what you are doing anymore you are at the point of physical and mental strain how i would link burnout to belonging this is just from my personal experience so it might not be the same for other international students but as a South Asian and I am traditionally Buddhist so a lot of the people um the religions that are prominent in Canada for instance you know if you get religious holidays off but there's not a lot of Buddhists in Canada so you don't get Buddhist holidays off at all people don't even know about the religion so for instance if I am supposed to be doing some religious ritual on a holiday for my religion but schools open and I I have to go teach you know it is just a hassle for me to explain to everyone like hey i am buddhist today's special for us in our religion so i need the time off i want to do that but i cannot do that you know I and don't automatically understand your circumstances because they are not necessarily from your background so there's just additional labor of having to explain yourself to everyone when you want to take time off or when you want to take some time away from your academic duties so that's how i link burnout to belonging and also one more thing is that as racialized international students we might benefit from more specialized counseling mental health support and student peer support on campus too those resources on campus they do exist i work with wonderful people who provide me support you know there's quick on campus there's intercultural counselor on campus with student health and wellness but this those are only a handful of wonderful individuals and they can those few people cannot meet everyone's needs so I think that's why burnout is a lot more common in our international student community I agree and you know and in Buddhism I also belong to Theravada Buddhism which is only practiced by 5 or 6 countries in the whole world and you mm-hmm. know I am a very devout Buddhist so I am okay I have accepted that and I just do my prayers at home but there are people in every religion who wants to go to the temple who wants to go to church who want to go through the mocks you know so mm-hmm. for those type of people maybe if you are in a community where people do not know about your faith or if there's no place of worship for you juggling being an international student and your academic workload teaching workload with your um, spiritual beliefs that might be quite difficult mm-hmm. so I
0: understand that you see spiritual practices as one of the strategies
1: to help you overcome burnout am I wrong when I interpret it that way? Oh, no you're not wrong I've actually you know I've actually become a practice in Buddha when I started my PhD program. But with the PhD, there's just a lot of workload, a lot of burnout. I had to take a leaf of absence because I was so stressed out. At the beginning of my second year, it made me turn to my religion and I started practicing my own religion.
0: PhD journey seems to teach us how to find a way to feel
1: grounded, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a way to feel grounded. And you know, when I do cope with burnout, I not only turned to my spiritual beliefs, I started actually taking weekends off. I've never taken weekends off in my master's, you know, I was always working part time and studying. So I didn't really have a set time off when I was doing my undergraduate and master's. But when I started my PhD, and after I had to take a term off, you know, just to tend to my mental and physical health, I learned that I thought in the beginning, if I work seven days a week I will graduate faster but that is not the case it backfired and you're actually so tired and burnout you're just at your workstation but you're not producing any quality work and that just adds to your stress and it actually leads to burnout really quick so I've learned that at this I take my weekends off I don't respond to work emails I don't do my PhD work Monday to Friday I might work evenings but weekends I try to set it aside for my family and my well-being
0: so I'm getting some very useful tips uh, from you on how to beat burnout or how to prevent it from emerging. Are you doing anything else like
1: sports? Um, I am not too sporty, but I like to go on walks. So I try to do, you know, I try to do long walks around Kingston. Kingston, particularly when there's no snow, it's very pretty and it's a walkable city. So I try to do one to two miles walks a few times a week. If you met a student who's just, you know, making
0: plans to come to Queen's, what tip would would you give to that student so that they feel that they belong in Queens and they belong in the larger Kingston community? I think for
1: them to seek out programs and events and organizations on campus that actually might not be mainstream or not as well known, but that might be suitable for them. For instance, the Barry Center, I made quite a few good friends there. They are a good support system. The events they have are always very intimate, very kind, supportive. And first event there people were talking about the conflict and the women being persecuted for showing their hair in iran and you know there was a lot of solidarity going on people cared about students from ukraine people cared about students from iran and there is war going on in my home country right now in myanmar and people just cared about everyone so uh, my advice would be find your people find the caring community
3: My name is Taylor Snack, and I work as a student advisor and program coordinator at the Banry Center. I started as a student advisor here at the BRC in January 2023. I was introduced to the center as a student by a good friend who noted that there is truly no other place like it on campus. And she was right. I'm enthusiastic about working with people and welcoming them into spaces at the university. So I couldn't be more delighted to get to meet and work with so many warm, welcoming, and brilliant students. The Banry Center is a special space on campus. We're located at 32 Bader Lane, a cute little house among Queens Building. The house opened in 1974 as a space to support mature women students on campus. We've since evolved to support mature women students and student mothers both on and off campus. In addition to offering emergency bursaries and our annual spring awards to students experiencing financial strain, our house is a space where you can study, nap, bring your kids, and enjoy free lunch every day in good comfort. The house boasts three lounging spaces. Our main lounge, where smooth jazz or piano instrumental greets you when you enter, and two lounge spaces in our basement, where students can retreat. Parents can find our breastfeeding room and changing table on the second floor. We also have seven study spaces around the house, including two napping rooms and a computer lab. Often, students will come in the morning, grab some tea or coffee and toast, and hunker down in their favorite study space for the day. Breaking for lunch, of course. Whether you're working, on your dissertation or trying to get the finishing touches on a term assignment done, studying at the BRC bridges the comfort of your home without the worry of dishes or laundry and the quiet, dedicated space akin to other study rooms on campus. As student advisors, Lisa and I are available to chat anytime, no appointment necessary, to offer support and provide resources and referrals. This can mean working with you to understand the rigmarole of resources and information that's out there, whether it's on campus or in the community, or providing a supportive air about the challenges of being a mature woman student. Whatever it is, we're here. We also host events and partner with other groups on campus to offer programming that our students say they need. So whether you're looking for a casual afternoon front lawn concert or a kid-friendly PA day gardening session, we're a place where students can show up as their whole selves, study, laugh with friends, and hang out. After hours, the house also hosts student and community groups. We're a Gathering place for folks in the community. You can say the homey feeling you get when you're in the center is as much the people who fill the space as it is the space itself. Academia can be all-consuming but you have choices and some semblance of balance is possible. So stop by, grab some soup, and discover just what makes the Banry Center so special. <music>
1: International students, particularly moving to a new country, and maybe you are facing financial distress. Um, there's a few resources I would like to um, share before we wrap up. Queen's University has a food bank, and there is also the Peach Food Market. So, those are for food security resources. Um, so, you can definitely check that out as additional resources. All right. Thank you. Those are a host of very useful tips.
0: Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. This podcast aims to support members of the university community with intercultural realities. It also serves as a resource for those who seek to better understand the experiences of individuals with intercultural and multilingual realities. This episode is produced by Queen's University International Center and Student Academic Success Services. The music for our podcast series was created by Kingston musician and santur performer Sadaf Amini. I'd like to thank her for sharing her unique tunes with us. You can find out about her music on her website www.sadafamini.ca. Thank you to the CFRC team for their support. My mentors and thinking partners in this project were Lydia Skulstad and Alyssa Forstner. I appreciate their guidance. I'd like to close this episode by acknowledging that as an international doctoral candidate in Queen's Cultural Studies Program, I'm grateful to be able to live, learn, and play on the traditional lens of the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabeg peoples.